Welcome to Access Utah. I'm Sherry Quinn. Pilot Rick Hypes flies a rescue helicopter in Northern California. He was in the Coast Guard, stationed in San Diego for two decades. He was one of the first responders in New Orleans after Hurricane Katrina. He helped rescue one of the world's most notorious drug traffickers, Javier Ariano Felix. And he has rescued countless people from the seas, mountains, highways, many places. Hypes served hundreds of missions with great skill and bravery. Out of all the instructors in the entire Coast Guard and Eastern Fleet, he was selected as the Fleet Instructor Pilot of the Year in 2014. And his division won the Standard of Excellence Award for both airplanes and helicopters. Now he works for Reach Air Medical Services as a rescue pilot. He joins us on the program today to discuss his heroic career. One of my most challenging cases up in Alaska was on... I had a glacier case. There was a stranded hiker. He was on a one-week trip, and he was into his second week. He had no food. He was just melting snow for water, and the weather had been really bad. No aircraft could get in there. And we spent spent three days trying to get through the weather to get up to the glacier to get to this person and uh, rescue them. It was a lot different because every, every day I was trying multiple times to get up to the glacier, and... Every night I went back to Juneau and, you know, we went to, we'd go back there and get some rest, get a few hours rest. And it was very difficult to sleep knowing that that person was still up there because typically what you have is you fight your way up and you get there and it takes you, maybe it takes you a full day or a few different fueling stops to get to the person, but you get there. But this one, each night I knew that he was still stuck out there. So that was definitely a challenge for me. And I had to do that multiple nights. So there was definitely a few sleepless nights. We finally broke through the weather and got up the glacier and got to the person. But there were a few days in there that was were very challenging, that I was going from treetop to treetop. And at one point, we had a malfunction in the aircraft. We, Well, I guess I can't say it's a malfunction. Maybe it was understanding uh, that we had not used one of the capabilities to its extent and what we did one day and found caught ourselves in a little bit of weather on this glacier and it was very difficult getting down that was probably one of the if not the scariest part that i've ever had in my in my career luckily i was flying with another very skilled pilot and but together we both safely got ourselves and the crew out of there but that's just a constant reminder is for me when getting into those situations, and I've had a few other situations to where that were very, very challenging. You just have to remember in the nature of aviation is that you have to be a constant, you have to constantly be a learner. You can't ever think that you're at the top of your game because the weather or the aircraft or the mistakes you might make can easily rear up and slap you in the face. And one of the biggest things is, you know, we have our responsible for pilots not only for ourselves but also for our, our team in the back so that's a that's a lot of responsibility to take on so i think one of the things that i've learned more and more over the years is to continue to be humble and understand that i never will ever know everything and i need to constantly challenge myself to i can be a just a better person and a better pilot do you ever meet some of these people that you've flown and that, that maybe they want to meet you because you've flown them to safety. Do you have any stories about that? In the Coast Guard, I did have the opportunity to meet a few of the people that we either pulled off the ships or took to the hospital or medevaced. So that was nice getting to meet them. They would stop by or some of them write letters. 
one of the things that, that Reach does, which is very nice, is they'll follow up with some of the some of the people that we actually take care of. And those people will also write letters and send cards. And Reach sends that back out to us, which is very nice in an email. Now, I'm so new. I've only been here for a week. So I'm sure I'll get one maybe in the next few weeks or months from some of the cases that I did last week. But I thought that was extremely, extremely nice and extremely rewarding as they reach as a uh, air medical company continually recognize and make sure that the people that are out working every day and every night see and get to hear the results and the get to hear the members' words or the family members or the person that was transported's words, and it kind of gives you this renewal, you know. So you so the next time that you are pushing through the middle of the night, you you know those things keep you going. They just you know getting getting there and and safely taking care of these people keep you going. So that's that's very enjoyable. Hypes grew up in Willits, known as the gateway to the redwoods in Northern California. Graduated high school in 1994, and uh, from there I uh, went immediately into the United States Coast Guard. Then I've actually spent the last uh, 20 years in the Coast Guard. Why did you choose to become a pilot, if you don't mind talking about that? It's kind of a unique story. I had a friend of mine uh, who was a year ahead of me in high school, and he joined the Coast Guard. And uh, we talked a little bit about it, and I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do, but I knew that at the end of high school that I didn't I didn't want to go to school anymore. At least I didn't think I wanted to go to school anymore. So um, I, I saw a poster in the hallway at Willits High, and I called, and I talked to somebody about it, and I talked to a recruiter, and he uh, told me a few things. And uh, I actually went in to be a Coast Guard rescue swimmer. So that's the person that does, that's lowered out of the helicopters, and they swim over to the boat, or, or they, and they're also EMT qualified, so they do all that medical stuff, which I had done too. I'd got my EMT certification before I'd actually left to the Coast Guard, so I was interested in doing that. But uh, that's like uh, any well-laid plan. That's not how it, not how it worked out. I went to boot camp out in uh, Cape May, New Jersey, and then from there I graduated and I was sent to the uh, Coast Guard Cutter Sweetbriar in Cordova, Alaska, which is uh, just outside where the Exxon Valdez spill was. So I was there a few years after that, so they were still recovering from the Exxon Valdez spill when we were there. And I was on a buoy tender, a 180-foot buoy tender, which we were in charge of uh, doing all the aids to navigation, uh, doing the electronics, and just servicing all the buoys. They, those things, as you can imagine, get full, they full of seawater, and they start to leak, and they just need to be serviced overall. So from there, I, uh, I found actually my love for aviation was actually on a uh, flight, a Coast Guard helicopter picked me up and the crew and we flew us out to Hitchinbrook Light which is just outside of Kodiak Alaska and uh, I was talking to one of the guys in the back and they had said uh, I said hey where are you guys going they're like oh well we're gonna go back over here and have lunch and here I am left on this island uh, building this tower I was like wow that's the way to go that's the life and that's kind of where I first started my my addiction to jet fuel I guess if you if you will so from there uh, the um, I uh, applied for aviation electrician school and uh I got accepted to do that, and I was trained to be a helicopter mechanic. My first station was uh, in San Diego, California, where I worked on helicopters and then went back, went actually back to college and started taking classes. I was working a night shift working on helicopters, and, and then I went to college during the daytime and, just, and also during the nighttime and, and also online. And uh, funny story, I enjoyed being 
I still wanted I still uh, wanted to be a rescue swimmer, but I uh, at that point I was already I was already rated so and I was moving forward. I enjoyed what I was doing. Working on helicopters is nice. My father had taught me a lot of really good things growing up about working on cars, and so I felt like I was fairly mechanically inclined. So and I enjoyed doing it. I enjoyed the people that I worked with, and then was also what was called a flight mechanic so what i would do is we would do all the i don't know if you've seen any of the shows on tv like coast guard alaska or coast guard florida they're on the nat geo type channels uh the weather channel and uh basically the the hoist operator that puts the rescue swarm up and down also does the maintenance and uh, refueling those type of things keep the helicopter running and uh so i i enjoyed doing that in san diego but one day i was out playing who was a good friend of mine now I was out playing basketball and he was one of the pilots and he wasn't very coordinated let's just put it that way and I thought that was kind of funny because he was a pilot he was the guy up front you know managing the whole thing I thought you needed like tons of coordination and uh, from that point I was like oh man I think I really want to do that so I applied for uh, an aviation candidate program and they sent me to flight school and then uh, sent me back to uh, actually San Diego again to work I kind of jumped around for quite a few years to different places from Alaska to Florida, Connecticut. So kind of bounced around quite a bit for the last 20 years. Got to see the coast multiple times on each side, the east and west coast, and had a uh, great experience. Great, many great experiences in the Coast Guard in 20 years. It seems like it flew by really, really fast. Can you talk about where areas that you were based out of and some of your experiences flying a helicopter in the Coast Guard? Challenges and any scary times? I'm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, my first unit, one of the biggest things was, I don't know if you remember the MD-80, Alaska Airlines, that um, had a jack staff problem. They went directly in the water. That was one of my first cases. As you know, a lot of people died on that. So getting to a large scene like that to where you have a lot of loss of life and a lot of uh, chaos, that, that was definitely fairly challenging. Unfortunately, there were no survivors on that one. But uh, that was you know one of the times you think, wow, this is this is a big deal and what you're doing. And I already knew, I already knew that, but there were a lot of rescues that we would do off the coast of San Diego. People would sink their boats or would even do so much as to do medevac cases out of Mexico of, of American citizens that were down there. In addition to that, we did uh, narcotics and um, also border patrol type scenario. And one of the biggest cases in that I did down there I helped in the capture of one of the largest drug smugglers and killers uh, from Mexico in the last like two decades. But we helped in capturing him and then transporting him too. So that was a pretty significant event that I had there in San Diego. A lot of really good cases. When I say good cases, unfortunately, it's typically when I say good cases, I mean, uh, you know, you enjoy helping others you get to go out and help other people when they're in distress. So we train to do that a lot. So when stuff comes up, not that we want people to be in distress or in harm's way, but when it comes up, we're, you know, we accept the challenge and we, we do it. And then, you know, we get the reward of the smile on the people's faces and, and those type of things. Well, some of the other challenging cases I did was Katrina. I was, what, I was at Katrina on the first, uh, we sent two helicopters from San Diego over there. And that was, uh, that was very challenging seeing all those people in distress. We were taking and cutting people out of rooftops and hoisting them off and we were we were staged out of uh, an actual uh, church in Alexander and uh, operating two helicopters from a remote location that was uh, very interesting very challenging but at the same time rewarding too and knowing that we're helping all those people both with supplies and uh, and also pulling people out of their homes and and those types of things it was a uh, it was definitely chaos 
you know, you have an international airport there, and typically when you're flying around, you can't just meander wherever you want with a helicopter. You just people you got to call on the radio and get acceptance for flight in certain areas. In this case, it was like utter chaos. Well, controlled chaos, if you will. We uh, used the roadways there when we were navigating to and from places. What I mean by that is, you know, like a car, if you were, you would always fly over the right side of the road. So we, there were so many helicopters down there that we wouldn't run into each other. So we would just follow these abandoned freeways to keep out each other's way. And we found ourselves landing in landing zones to where you would have, I'd have a Chinook off my nose, which is a large helicopter from the army or the Marines. And then another helicopter and you land in the middle of them and refuel at a kindergarten school. Cause that's where they were able to get fuel into. So, uh, very challenging events and also very rewarding. Up in Alaska, many, many medevacs to where we had to uh, take uh, personnel that were in distress or car accidents in these remote locations. Because as you can imagine, up in Alaska, there are not a lot of trauma centers. So if you are to get in some kind of trauma case, well, you need immediate evacuation to a higher level of care. And we were able to do that for a lot of people in a lot of very, very challenging weather. Yeah, that comes to mind, all the challenging weather, you know, (laughs) on the ocean. And how do you navigate all of that. I mean, you must have to stay calm at the same time. Or do you stay calm and get a lot of training? That's it. <laughs> Definitely a lot of training and then a, a lot of practice and then um, experience. You know, I think one of the best things about being in the Coast Guard and REACH is that you have a lot of experience, a lot of people that are telling you uh, what they've run into, how they've done it. So you have other mistakes that other people have made and other things that people have done really well. The aircraft I flew in the Coast Guard was an, an MH-60 Jayhawk, and it was a fully instrument, pretty much bad weather capable. So you could fly with zero visibility, and you can fly off the GPS, or you can fly off the different instrument approaches. The same thing with Reach. They have a great aircraft, uh, the EC-135, which is a three-axis autopilot, and it has uh, similar, in some cases, better equipment than I had in the Coast Guard. So continuing the mission on at Reach is... Uh, has been just as rewarding. I actually just came off my last full call as a hitch. It's a one-week hitch to where you go in, you stand three days, and then you stand four nights, and then you're off for a week. So I'm actually in my off week right now, enjoying my time off. But that, too, is very challenging because, as you know, in Northern California, the weather here is very challenging. But I've had a lot of experience both in Alaska, California, and also Florida facing some of those weather so I can take and uh, utilize those skills here with with reach now. So One of the things I thought about when I was leaving the Coast Guard and I was concerned about is in the Coast Guard we have such a good core group of people that are working with you. Everyone from the mechanics to the support staff to the other pilots and I thought hey maybe I'm never going to have this again and I was actually I was very concerned about that because that was the one, th- one of the biggest things that I liked about being in the Coast Guard in the first day when I checked in to reach an orientation, it's like they're a large family and they're they're really truly concerned. You know, you get these thoughts of coming out, at least the Coast Guard organization, as we were a big family, is like, okay, now I'm going into this commercial industry and, you know, hey, it's all about making money and this and that. And I was utterly surprised when it was, it's a large family and they welcome me with open arms and I have the opportunity now to stand the watch with some great people. Um, uh, another f- fellow Army aviator, Chad Payton, Dom Quadden, a Navy, another Navy guy, and then I also have another foreign guy by the name of Sven that's flying with us. But everybody brings great experience. In addition to our med crew, they have a vast array of experience, and it's not uncommon to he- to hear at the end of these, at least last week, in these interfacility transfers, 
that by the end of the flight, the patient was feeling much better. Like they, we were able to put them uh, in a position to where they were, they were getting a very good level of care, even en route to the next facility. So I, I feel like uh, I just feel like I'm, you know, continuing to serve the public through Reach, which is which is really nice. So what's it like, you know, when you have to go out at three in the morning and rescue someone? You know, how do you stay awake and keep yourself? really alert i imagine you have to be completely alert yeah that's right the so especially the night shifts so the night shifts you know the normal time that you're sleeping so what we'll do is we'll prepare for that so let's just say i'm going to go on the night shift tonight say my night shift starts at 9 30. what i do is one i really take it really easy during the day i might do the wife and i'll go for a walk or maybe we'll go for a mountain bike ride something like that's very casual you know to get out get some exercise have a nice lunch sit around watch some tv take a couple hour nap in the daytime, just kind of really take it easy. That way, knowing with the full expectation that at when I come on my night shift, I'm expected to fly all the way through the night because the possibility that's going to happen. In fact, I've pretty much flown in the last week, flown through two of the whole nights, flying uh, different persons to different areas. So it is a challenge. Uh, so I'll bring, personally, what I'll bring is uh, I'll bring some food in. I'm Lucky enough, I have a wife who makes me a great lunch before, in this case, an early dinner that she packs me up so I get to uh, have that. So I'll pull it out and she puts coffee in there for me. So if I do start to get tired in the middle of the night, I'll just drink a little coffee, eat a little bit, and then keep going. But I've never found myself at this stage, and I'm sure I will, you know, sometimes as you get you get less and less sleep during the harder you work, but being too tired, I'm, I'm, I'm physically engaged when you're flying around, so I'm constantly adjusting my instruments. I'm, all, I'm talking to different people on the radio. I'm clearing the aircraft to make sure that, uh, you know, there are no other aircraft in the area. I'm also climbing and descending through different mountain ranges. I'm monitoring the temperature. I'm monitoring the gauges in the aircraft, my fuel state, uh, you know, the possibility of where I'm going to land in case I have an emergency. So you're constantly getting firing the synapses because you're thinking about all these different things. And then, you know, typically, like I was saying earlier, is that the the transit between locations is not is not very far so to give you an example in the coast guard we could carry 6000 pounds of gas 6000 pounds of gas i could keep the aircraft in the air for five and a half hours so and i've done that many of times but the ec135 doesn't have a large fuel load but it doesn't need a large fuel load because of how close the different airports are to each other and the places that we can actually get fuel. So what's nice about that is, let's just say, for example, the other night, we took off out of Ukai, We flew uh, to right there to uh, Ukai Memorial. We picked up somebody, and then we, were, we flew him down to Napa to take him to uh, St. Helena, Maine. So shot an approach down there, and then got out and while the med crew were taking care of the person and taking him to the uh, actual hospital you know I, I walked inside and checked out the weather grabbed some coffee you know did all those things that's kind of a little bit more of a break in between this the sections of the, the next section of the flight where we have to get back in the helicopter and then we head for home or we head to the next case or the f- next facilities transfer so you have these breaks that are built in to where you're getting gas and you're getting these different things so that that really helps you stay alert do you fly other aircraft other than the helicopter? I'm also a fixed-wing single-engine and a fixed-wing multi-engine pilot. So I don't do much of that anymore. I really enjoy flying helicopters. I thought about it maybe eventually. 
I'm getting my wife open to it, but eh, we'll, we'll see how that goes. Flying on your own is not cheap. You know, with the price of jet fuel and the, and the insurance and the maintenance that you have to have on an aircraft when you purchase something like that or do a shared purchase on those things. So we're saving now. We'd like to, you know, eventually buy buy a house and buy some other things that don't cost so much as an airplane does. How different is it flying a helicopter versus an, uh, an airplane? I think I've heard that it's a lot different, a lot more difficult. It is definitely a lot different. I find it much more enjoyable because it's the closest thing that you can be to a bird. So, for example, an airplane, it constantly has to stay in motion. But with the right profile and the right weight, you can stick a helicopter anywhere you want. You can stick it in a small field. You can't do that with an airplane. I could stick it right above a tree. I could stick the skids of the aircraft right on right on your roof if I wanted to. So I like it because it's the closest thing to being a bird. Bird lands wherever he wants, goes wherever he wants. It doesn't matter how tired it is. So you can do the same thing with the, with the helicopter. However, the advantage in airplanes, typically airplanes are faster than helicopters. So, you know, if you want to go a long distance really fast, a helicopter is probably not going to be the best choice. And what's it like saving us? You must have saved so many lives by now, you know, and it sounds like that's probably why you keep doing this too. And what's it like? How rewarding is it? It doesn't always have a happy ending. Yeah, it's very rewarding. It's an enjoyable job. Not only do I get to fly around, like I was saying, it's the closest thing to being a bird. But also, you know, you get to help folks. You, you know, you see, for example, the other night we, I took uh, a child and then her, the child's mom. They're in a lot of distress when things are going on. When you can get them to a place that they know they're going to be taken care of, then, that you know, you could kind of see the relief in their face and you see those things. I really enjoy, enjoy doing that. I enjoy helping people. And I enjoy flying, so it's definitely very rewarding. And I enjoy the challenge of flying the aircraft and getting the people where they need to go and uh you're you're right Uh, there's a lot of people that you know not that some people don't like it but sitting behind a desk just isn't my thing i just like you know to be above the cloud tops breaking through the storms to see the sun over the clouds as you as you have this white layer and the blue sky above it and when you when you come through the top of that there are not many feelings or views that are as nice as that it must make you feel really alive. <laughs> it does. Yes, it's it's definitely, it's enjoyable. And it's, you know, sometimes I, I say it even out loud, and I'll say it to the, the guys and girls in the Coast Guard and the guys and the girls even at Reach. It's like, man, I, I can't believe we get paid to do this. This is, we're helping people, we're getting paid, and this is, this is fun. That was Rescue Pilot Rick Hypes. Thank you for listening. Stay tuned for science questions.